Heavenly Father, grant that your word might be spoken here with boldness, heard with attentiveness, and obeyed with readiness through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. You may be seated. I'm going to tell a story about my oldest son. Um, I'm going to try to sneak this under the radar because uh, in other, we haven't yet started this rule, but there was a rule in uh, the family of the the priest I served with uh, before this, uh, where if you used a a family member for a sermon illustration, you had to pay them a dollar afterwards. So we haven't yet instituted that rule. So like I said, I'm going to try to slip this under the radar. But a few weeks ago, I had just finished reading uh, to my oldest son. I was getting ready to send him off to bed for the night. I told him I would say a prayer for him and send him off. So I prayed. And I began my prayer. I said, Heavenly Father, we pray for your son, Callum. He interrupted me. And he said, wait, I'm his son? I said, yes, you're his son. He said, but you're my dad, not God. I replied, I'm your father, but God is your father too, just in kind of a different way. And he sat thinking about it, and he was struggling, but you could see that he was beginning to accept it. And then he looked up at me with an urgent question in his eyes. He looked at me and he said, if God is my father, then who is my mother? It's a good question. Um, We we talked at that point. Uh, he, He paused for a minute and he said, oh, the woman in blue, she must be my mother. So we we had a a brief conversation about six-year-old Mariology at that point. But but the deepest truths of the Christian faith, those things that we most take for granted and build our faith upon, those, those deepest truths are often the simplest. They're often the most basic, most foundational truths of the Christian faith. It's also these simplest, deepest truths that can be the most difficult to grasp and apply to our lives. Truths like, I am God's son or daughter, like God is my father. Truths like uh, the one that confronts us today in our epistle reading. St. John says, Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God, and whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Anyone who does not love does not know God, because God is love. Later, St. John goes on. He says, so we have come to know and to believe that the love that God has for uh, to believe the love that God has for us. God is love and whoever abides in love abides in God and God abides in him. God is love. That is the simple truth that it is our task this morning to grasp and to apply to our lives The phrasing of it could not be simpler. Three words. God is love. God, the one who made us, the one whom we worship today, he is, in some sense, love itself. Love is found in God. God is not just the source of love. Love is somehow part of the essence of God. Love is in his essence. Before anything else existed, God was love. Before God created it, he was still loved. The Father loved the Son. The Son loved the Spirit. The Spirit loved the Father. The Father loved the Spirit. All three persons of the Trinity subsisting in love for one another. This is part, by the way, part of what makes Christianity unique. In other faiths that do not accept the Trinity, you could say that God loves us, 
But you could not say that love is an essential, eternal part of the character of God. Because before creation, there was nothing for God to love. The Trinity sets us apart in that sense. If the Trinity is true, then God is love. God has always been love. Love is an essential aspect of God's character, a property of his being. When God created us, he did so out of love. I think that's an important distinction to make. Um, One of the the questions that uh, children will often ask that we uh, eventually just learn to stop asking as adults, I don't think we ever get the question answered to our satisfaction, we just sort of stop asking. The question was, why did God create everything? Why did God create all of this in the first place? Um, Popular answers among children might be that he was lonely. After all, um, he, uh, he is uh, God before creation. Maybe he was lonely. The answer, though, he's Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So he, he couldn't have been lonely. It can't be that. Um, maybe in a child's eyes, he didn't create. Um, uh, maybe in a child's eyes, he created because he was bored. But the problem is love is the most exciting, fulfilling, satisfying experience. And if God is love, then we can't imagine that boredom ever set into the Godhead. So why did God create? The truth is that God didn't need creation at all. He doesn't need us. Without our aid, he did us make, says the the old hymn. He doesn't need us. So why did he create? He created as a free gift of love. Out of love, he gave us our being. Our very existence is an act of grace and mercy by a loving creator God. We exist because the love of the Trinity overflows and fills his creation. So he uh, was always love. He has always been love. He created us out of love. And when we had fallen, the Father sent the Son and the Spirit to us out of love. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. Creation fell and became subject to sin and death, and in his love, God refused to abandon us to ourselves. He stooped down to our level, entered into our circumstances, carried our burdens, bore our diseases, all to heal us and to bring us back to himself. God is love. He made us in love. He saved us in love. The truth is as simple as it is deep. It is as concise as it is profound. God loves us. God loves you. He made you. He saves you. He loves you. That has to change everything about the way we see our lives. You see, so often we spend our lives searching for someone to love us. Sometimes we seek this through romantic relationships. Sometimes we seek approval in the workplace. Sometimes we seek affection from friends and family. Wherever we look for it, all of us are looking for love. We search for assurance that we are loved, appreciated, respected, cared for, that someone has affection for us. And the problem we face is that every love we encounter in this world falls short. It's imperfect. There's no person so perfect that their love has never faltered. But God's love is perfect. God's love never falters. 
God's love never fails. God's love is relentlessly faithful. And if God loves us like that, St. John says that we can live without fear. He says there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear. For fear has to do with punishment. And whoever fears has not been perfected in love. I'm afraid that there are still people here today. It's likely that there are people here today who are still trying to be good enough. That is a lifestyle based on fear. Fear of not measuring up, fear of failure, fear of judgment. God's love, we are told, has the power to set us free from those fears so that we no longer need to fear judgment. St. Paul says in Romans 8, he says, There is therefore now no condemnation for those of us who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. If we are living in fear, then we are still living according to that old law of sin and death. If God loves us, then we need not fear condemnation, need not fear judgment, need not fear at all, because if we have his love, we have all that we need. If God loves us like that, then we do not have to live in fear. St. John goes on to tell us that if God loves us like that, then we can love one another fully and freely. St. John said, Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us, and his love is perfected in us. He goes on, We love because he first loved us. If anyone says, I love God and hates his brother, he is a liar. For he who does not love his brother whom he has seen cannot love God whom he has not seen. And this commandment we have from him, whoever loves God must also love his brother. If God has loved us, then not only are we free to love one another, we are bound to love one another. And I don't just mean to feel affection for one another. I mean to truly endeavor to love one another, to speak loving words to each other, to speak lovingly about each other, to love one another in practical and visible ways. To love one another when it's hard. To love one another when we frankly don't like one another very much. The command is not to like each other. The command is to love each other. That's an important distinction at times. If God has loved us, then we must, we are bound to love those whom God loves. Loving one another is part of how we love God. After all, Jesus himself ties these two commandments together when he says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself. St. Jerome, uh, a saint who lived in the 4th century, tells a story about the elderly St. John. Uh, St. John, of course, was the only apostle who didn't die a martyr's death. All of the other apostles uh, died violent deaths. St. John lived to an old age. And by the time he reached his old age, his strength was failing such that he had to be carried into church by his disciples and carried out when the church meeting was over. He could barely speak anymore except with great, great effort. And when he did speak, all he could muster were these words. He would look at the uh, members of the congregation, he would look at his disciples, and he would say, little children, love one another. Day after day, as he would be carried into church, he would look at the congregation, look at his disciples and say, little children, 
love one another. Little children, love one another. Little children, love one another. He would go on like this until eventually his disciples became frustrated because they thought, well, we've got it by now. Little children, love one another. Okay, tell us something else. You know, give us some deep teaching. Give us some real spiritual meat to chew on. They wanted more. They wanted to hear the stories. After all, this was a man who had seen Jesus in the flesh. They wanted to hear more. So finally, they asked their teacher. They asked St. John. They said, why is it that all you do is tell us to love one another? St. John looked at them with wisdom in his eyes, and he said, because it is the Lord's commandment, and if it alone is kept, it is sufficient. St. John believed that the gospel is best summarized not by academic teachings or by esoteric practices or by lofty philosophy, but by simply and earnestly living a life of love. That is a simple truth. That is a profound truth. Friends, God is love. Make it your aim to live a life of love without fear, always mindful that God has loved you and that God loves you still. God is love, so little children, love one another. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.